Hello everyone and welcome to the Impactivity Talking Without Limits podcast, a conversation with. This podcast will look at the impact physical activity and sport can have on your mental health, as well as having conversations aimed at removing the stigma surrounding mental health issues. So sit back, relax, and let's enjoy a conversation with. Good morning, everybody, and welcome back to the Impactivity Podcast, a conversation with. We are now up to episode eight. Um, an amazing guest today, Hayley Crackle, professional footballer for Coventry United. How are you this morning? Very well, thank you. Hey, thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. you've had like a wild ride for the new year. So like, yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. glad to get you here. Um, <laughs> I appreciate so- you guys having me on, so... No, it's really good to have you on. So Hayley, like I said, is a professional footballer for Coventry United um, in the Women's Championship um, and also used to play for Aston Villa. I'm throwing that one in because I'm a Villa fan. So I'm just like, <laughs> we've, got to, we've got to big up the Villa. Like I've had a crazy 24 hours with the Villa with the transfers. So uh, the I'm transfer sure you're excited as well. Hey. Yeah, definitely as a Villa fan myself too. Oh, 100%. You also run um, your own health and fitness business, coaching a range of clients. And something that I think is really cool, you include um, SEN in that coaching. So it'd be really cool to talk about that later. But yeah. I can't do it all the justice in the world. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to pass it over to you, tell your story, and then we'll put you under the spotlight from there. So Haley, it is over to you to tell your story. Perfect. Well, I started playing football when I was really, really young. Um, signed for Villa when I was eight. Um, stayed there until I was 22. So I was there for 15, just about 14, 15 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so long, long time. Grew up through that youth system. Um, I played for Northern Ireland as well. Um, so I played at international level. Um, signed for Coventry three seasons ago. So I've played in the championship pretty much all my life Mm -hmm. um went to uni and did sports therapy and then I did a strength and conditioning masters which kind of guided me into my self-employment work Mm because I wanted to work around football yeah Um, so they work hand in hand with each other so I did originally want to go into professional sports but couldn't do that with me playing professionally as well so Mm -hmm. self-employed and I think it was probably the best decision I ever made because I get to work with general Park children with special needs um I do massage sort of sports therapy kind of thing so mm-hmm. my job is really cool because I get to do different things every day it's not boring I get to meet loads of people so so yeah that's that's kind of me from sort of my professional football and my professional sort of mm-hmm. work side of things um nothing much to it other than hey. that so. no I mean it's awesome like Thinking of being in football like most of your life and obviously everyone's playing, you know, most people play like some form of sport on their weekends and stuff. The big difference being like obviously being in like that professional atmosphere, the professional environment from being um, a youngster in there. So going from a child to, you know, now, I guess, have you seen big differences, especially in the women's game now, you know, it's gone professional and stuff. Have you felt more pressure, I guess, to perform? when you're in there um yeah in in, in some ways but I feel like because you just enjoy the sport and you love it mm-hmm. you don't really feel the pressure too much of the time yeah um, but I, I'm just really enjoying it this is my first season as 
professional sort of thing. So I have been professional, but in obviously terms of training during the day yeah. and of an evening, this is my first season with Coventry. So, mm-hmm. um, but I'm just really enjoying it. And I think that for me to get to, I mean, 26 now and it's my first sort of professional season. It yeah. just shows how much the women's game has come along because I would have never as a 16 year old have had that opportunity because the no, no professional teams were out there really Ch- yeah. trying to die that sort of thing everybody had to go to uni have other jobs to supplement and now mm-hmm. we don't I mean I do because I've still got the business yeah yeah, yeah. Of my teammates they just play they play football that's their job and that's that's yeah. incredible so I'm so glad I was part of that sort yeah. of process in women's football to, to get it where where it is today sort of thing so yeah has that been like a it's amazing like it's so good that you know we spoke just before the podcast about like living in America and how big the women's game is out there so obviously seeing it from that perspective coming back here the women's game was not supported enough so has that transition been a, like a really cool thing to see and be a part of I guess yeah definitely and I think the England ladies, the success they've had over the last few years has really kind of mm-hmm. helped the success of the, you know, the domestic leagues over here. Because yeah. um, I feel like in America, the USA women's national team, were the main reason why women's football was huge over there and also because the men's side of soccer over there isn't yeah. fantastic. Yeah, um, yeah. And we're always sort of competing with the standard of men's football over here, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's good to see that transition and how it's only going to get better. Mm-hmm. You know, in the next 10 years, it's scary how good um, women's football can be. And because we've got the licensing now with mm-hmm. Sky, BT, it's on TV all the time, which I never yeah. had that. Oh, 100%. Up. But on a women's game on the TV, but now young girls can do that and aspire to be, you know, in the position that we're in or yeah. playing it national level that sort of thing yeah it's even like on the like the geeky level you've got fifa now and football manager you know yeah. like you're all on there so are you going to be signing yourself <laughs> um, no <probably> no <laughs> so talking about like those different levels obviously we spoke about club level playing for like aston villa playing for coventry what about that step up to like international football how big of a jump was that and what different you know I guess pressures were put on you going up into international football I guess it's an amazing like privilege yeah it was a, it's an incredible experience um I mean I've hoped to get back into the fold with it over mm-hmm. the last few years but I've just kind of I've not been successful but hopefully mm-hmm. there'll be a chance but um it's just brilliant because that was my first taste of kind of training you get up you have your breakfast with the team and it's mm-hmm. I've never had that and then you yeah. go you do your recovery, you do a pool session, gym, whatever, then try and come back. You're traveling to loads of different countries and mm-hmm. um, playing against some some really cool teams. So, or really cool countries, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, it's just an amazing experience. Um, and you're all part of a, a squad that's kind of aspiring to do, you know, big yeah. things, qualify for tournaments and that sort of thing. So Northern Ireland ladies have actually qualified now for the Euros this year. Oh, there you go. So, and that's the first time Northern Ireland have ever done that. So it's just big and how the amount of steps they're taking is is massive. So yeah, it was it was really cool to be a part of that and experience it all. That's amazing. So you got to like try and get yourself back in the squad for the Euros, get yourself like a... No chance of that now, but um, <laughs> I don't think. But um, I would have loved to, but yeah. it's just incredible what they've achieved and, and whatnot. I'd just be, I would like to be involved, but yeah. we'll see. 
I think it's just amazing, like seeing how you know it more expo- how much more exposure the women's game is getting now. And then you've got people like Alex Scott and stuff, you know, yeah. getting involved in the media. So you, it's become people are becoming more aware of it. And like you said, the exposure of the tournaments, international football coming to like ITV and stuff. It must be really good for you to see that you're getting a bit more backing from like the FA and different bodies and organisations, I guess. Yeah, definitely. And even with um, like Karen Carney does a lot of, mm-hmm. he goes on the BT Sport yeah, and does a lot of stuff on there. And it's just brilliant because maybe six, seven years ago, you would never have seen that. They'd oh, no. real pundits and yeah. stuff like that. So it's good the way the women's game's going on the pitch and off the pitch as well. Mm-hmm. And um, it'd be interesting to see how the Euros goes this year and the stadiums that are going to be involved as well. Hopefully Villa Park will be mm-hmm. one of them. Yeah, um, yeah, that's incredible as well because you know we're the home of football really, and mm-hmm. it's going to be really cool for all those countries to come over here and and play in different stadiums. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. So, like with that in mind, as like a professional athlete, we speak about you know the the good things about like you've just said playing in these big stadiums, stuff like that. Obviously, that can put a lot of pressure on you. So, as a professional athlete, how do you look after like your the mental side of the game, so your mental well-being, controlling anxiety, I guess, before you play and stuff like that. And then from that, do the clubs you've played for, and I guess even at international level, do they offer you like a level of support outside of the actual, I guess, the plane of the game? Do they give you like mental support as well? Mm-hmm. Well, in answer to the first question, I think everyone's just got their own routine mm-hmm. to, to cope with anxiety because... Everyone gets sort of pre-game nerves and that sort of thing. So everyone's got like a routine of what they eat, when they eat, what they wear. It sounds stupid, but I think yeah. that kind of calms nerves and whatnot and anxiety. Um, in terms of like mental health help or is there anyone to talk to, going back when I was through the Villa system, there wasn't really, there wasn't anybody designated that you could go and talk to. I mean, mm-hmm. I was always aware that if there was a problem, I could go and talk to coaches and mm-hmm physios and that sort of thing and I think people had like a dual role so a Mm -hmm. coach would cover that side and the pitch side and a physio if you're injured they would cover the rehab and then they would understand that they'd have to go through the the psychological stuff with you as well because it's frustrating when you're injured um but now people have clubs have somebody there so we've got um like a chaplain at commentary Mm -hmm. um called joe and she's brilliant so if anyone's got any issues we go to her Mm-hmm. Um, and then at Villa, we had um, a, like a sports psychologist and somebody who could we could talk to about if we had any mental health problems. So um, really, really helpful because people go through a lot mm-hmm. sort of on the pitch with injuries and stuff, but also with your family life and things that can, can affect you that are going on at home that you bring to football then. So it's good that you can go and talk to somebody if you need them to help you perform on the pitch, essentially. So there's, yeah. there's been massive changes in that. In regards to now, I think most clubs do have somebody to, that has that role and mm-hmm. there's no having to do two jobs sort of thing. Yeah. Do like, so uh, uh, on a previous podcast, we spoke to someone from um, Team Wales. She was their sports psychologist. And she, I was just asking her about how she believes like mental health can be perceived by coaches. So have you, in the professional environment, do you feel like there's people don't want to talk because they don't want their coaches to think they're going to be affected by issues or do you think it's 
there is that level of support where they'll help you through and get you to play still? Um, I think managers, good managers, mm-hmm. will take into consideration what you're talking to them about. Like if you've got problems off the pitch and you go and talk to them and say, look, this is where my head's at at the minute. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like good managers, good coaches will help you through that. But I think there's always that fear as a player mm-hmm. that if you go in and say, oh, I don't know, something's happened at home, I've barely slept, I've not eaten well, blah, 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 that Mm -hmm. you won't get played. And that's only natural, really, because a manager's not going to want to play a player that's got a lot going on because you can affect the team, but Mm -hmm. they can help you through it. I think that's good. But yeah, as a player, you've always got that in the back of your mind. Like, if I say this, are they going to drop me? Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's, I don't know, I'm 50-50 on that. Yeah, that's what that's what I was saying. I know it's like a tough one because even from my point of view, I know like playing rugby, there's been times where I definitely wanted to speak up, but I was exactly the same. Am I going to get dropped? How am I going to affect the the team's performance and stuff? So it is a tough one. But then I guess with people like you've just said, the chaplain at Coventry and stuff now, I guess it takes the pressure away from those conversations in a way. And I guess you've got, close teammates and obviously people outside of sport that if you were struggling you can have those conversations with it's just a really interesting one to think about the you know the line of a coach I was having a conversation yesterday about coaches and it's um how coaches should actually have coaches as well like I because there's nowhere to offload for the coach if you're in charge where do I go to so I can only imagine if you've got a squad of players um, and that all say you had 23 players and all 23 come to you for something, who do you turn to then, I guess? Yeah. And the staff that work with you as well. There's so many people involved in a club, mm-hmm. um, especially in rugby, because the squads are massive. Yeah. You know? But yeah. it's the same with any sport, really. Um, yeah, I completely agree with you. They need someone to talk to as well. Yeah. Oh, 100%. So looking at it from a coach's perspective, obviously you're working, you know, fitness training and stuff. How do you use your fitness training to help combat people's, you know, mental health issues, I guess? Um, We spoke last week to a bodybuilder who said, obviously, you know, the dedication needed to go into the gym and train like that is awesome. And the physical rewards are great. But how do you look at it from like a mental health perspective, I guess? Um, I think... It depends on a lot of people's goals. I think Mm -hmm. people that come to me that are typically looking to sort of lose weight, get fitter, that sort of thing, um, that massively affects them mentally. Like when they start to see results or if they're not happy with how they feel, how how they look, you know, Mm -hmm. building confidence and that helps them mentally in that sense. And that's huge. Mm -hmm. Um, And obviously when you start to see, when they start to see results and become happier and more confident, that's obviously great for me then because it gives me a bit of a boost as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That helps me mentally. Um, And then obviously the kids that I work with, um, like there's so many kids I work with with different like special educational needs. And Mm -hmm. um, I've got a few clients with cerebral palsy. There's just loads, but that affects them massively because they don't feel confident going into a mainstream gym. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think what we offer with a small gym they can come in they feel comfortable um, I think it's huge and that's the one part of my job that I absolutely love because they don't feel comfortable going into a gym so I can make that happen for them Yeah. Um, 
we get funding for each kid to to train as well which is is perfect for the parents as well so they don't have to worry about that yeah. um but the way it affects them mentally when they finish a session or they've they've hit a goal that they never thought they could do yeah because they've always been told most of them throughout their lives that they can't do this they can't do that i've been excluded from PE at school i hear that a lot mm-hmm. i've got one client um who's got cerebral palsy he's in a wheelchair and he was told he can't do this at school and he would segregated mm-hmm. out of pe and stuff but i think everyone needs to kind of work together a bit more to make sure they're involved mm-hmm. that just affects him mentally yeah. but yeah it's just massive when they come into the gym and they achieve their goals they meet new people because a lot of the time the ones that have a like really high anxiety and like they get to talk to everyone at the gym which mm-hmm. they don't usually get and so yeah that that part of it's massive for me um helping them mentally yeah. like, and feel confident that sort yeah. of thing and then from sort of an injury perspective because i said i said my job's so diverse i work with yeah. people that's a massive one as well so when people come in and they've got a bad back or they've had shoulder surgery you know whatever it is mm-hmm. once you get them back on track and seeing them their mental sort of state change when they get back to full function and they can go back to work and they can play with their kids properly you know because mm-hmm. they've not been able to do that i think that's massive as well oh yeah you know, getting them back on track moving properly so i know no you're good it's like it's all reward it's like all rewarding it's amazing and like i just want to jump back to like the special you know special educational needs um i've worked in that sector and i think it's the most rewarding you know part of coaching but what i'd notice like you said a lot of times i'd go into schools or i'd go to sports teams where they were segregated oh you can't join in here you can't join in here and i'm like that shouldn't be that shouldn't be the way and you know when i was working in america i ended up becoming the adaptive program specialist for the ymca of new jersey and that was all about getting programs to be accessible for all and when you see the faces of the kids who had been told no you can't do this actually completing it one it gives them a massive boost but like you just said for me i was like my job's done here like you know I feel good so from that point of view how did you actually get into coaching with the um the special educational needs and stuff and was that something you'd always wanted to do and get involved with I guess um it wasn't something that I'd kind of like set out to do but it was I always wanted to own my own gym that mm-hmm. was inclusive to all now I don't own true fitness I work there but that was always when I was going through uni I was like I'd love to have a gym that was inclusive to everybody and that mm-hmm comes from a point of like everything so everyone feels like you know really comfortable there so but I ended up getting involved because the funding's through Solihull Moors Football Club so they um applied for a government grant um and then I just knew a person that knew a person Mm -hmm. and then that's kind of how it went they were looking for like a small gym um to train in so we kind of fit that um category for them um, and then they just tried, they spoke to me about it and said, would you want to get involved in this? And I was like, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then it kind of just snowballed from there. So we, we go into schools, which has been on hold for the last two years. Mm-hmm. So for the first year I was doing it, we used to go into schools and coach the kids there um, around the Solihull area. And then they can also apply for one-to-ones as well. Yeah. So, or, you know, like group classes at the gym. So 
kind of just through Solihull Moors Football Club, really. They took the initiative to, to start the programme. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I ended up falling on board with them. And now yeah. I kind of take quite a big role with that yeah. and love it. It's, no, that's, in, that's incredible. And like how much progress have you seen with those kids, I guess? Like, I bet it gives them so much confidence. How much progress have you seen with them since you started the programme? Loads. Like, yeah. Even, but everyone goes on about strength. A lot of the time in the gym, it's all your strength gains and a lot of yeah. them have high strength gains. But for me, it's more confidence and mm-hmm. relieving anxiety and talking to, getting to know all the other coaches as well. And yeah. just that sort of, they've become part of our little gym family then. So yeah. I think that would be the biggest progress for me. I'm not too fussed about the strength. It's more getting them moving better mm-hmm. um, and just building confidence and, I always say when one of them comes in, like, what would be your goal? Looking around with all the equipment, is there ever, is it something that you've always wanted to do? And some of them mm-hmm. might say, I've always wanted to do a pull-up or this, that and the other. And then we yeah. kind of have a little bit at the end of each session working on that. Some of them have never been on a treadmill. They all want to go on treadmills. It's yeah. bizarre. But <laughs> the little things like that, yeah. um, just getting them, you know, building the confidence up and making them happy. So, yeah. Yeah, no, that, I mean, that is pretty bizarre because I don't want to ever go anywhere near one when I go to the gym, overrated. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, that's incredible. And like you said, I think just seeing that, you know, that confidence when you're working with kids like that over, you know, a long period of time is amazing. And when I was in America, it's just the impact you can have as a coach. You make such a big difference. And like you said, it sometimes comes down to not even looking at the physical aspect of it, but what you can do for them socially, I guess. So yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. So we also, you also spoke about, you know, injuries and stuff and how, you know, injuries affect, you know, your clients, I guess, but, you know, from a professional going back to your like playing, I guess, as a professional athlete, um, how hard is it to keep yourself motivated when you are injured or you've got a big injury and, you know, to keep positive, I guess, coming back to your return to play. And then once you've returned to play, how hard is it to like get over that, you know, that that, that mental barrier, I guess, when you've been injured? Um, it, It's huge. I've I had one sort of big injury where I was out for, I, was, I think it was about nine months. So it was a whole <laughs> season. I got injured in pre-season and came back just before the last game of the season. And that was <laughs> awful. Um. But I think it affects you mentally because you want to be around the team and you, mm-hmm. you're kind of not, you're in your own little bubble with the physio mm-hmm. and then your physio ends up becoming your best friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you with them so much. Yeah. Um, but it's just hard because you want to play. You get mm-hmm. involved in the sport because you, you want to be active and play. And when you're on the sidelines, it's really, really tough. Um, but I just tried to keep myself as busy as I could. And luckily yeah. I had um, the business work as well. Mm-hmm. I think... Some players, if they if they don't have something else they can throw themselves into, it becomes quite difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was lucky in that sense. I, could, I still had that, but it still wasn't, you know, that much easier. I just had to yeah. try and keep busy as much as I can. Set goals would be a big one. Yeah. Um, I know the physio usually sets them for you, but just having something yourself, like I want to get back. Mine was I want to get back for the last game of the season. And I did. Mm-hmm. I yeah. like 10 minutes of it, but that was kind of my goal. And I put everything into that. Mm-hmm. Um but I think in the women's game, when it comes to injuries, it's quite a tough one because we don't get the support that the men get or okay. yeah. bigger clubs get. So when I was at Villa, we weren't full-time at that mm-hmm. point. We still trained of an evening, that sort of thing. Um, we were going through a transition page like 
phase, sorry, where mm-hmm. we just moved to Bodymore Heath to train. Yeah. So the women's side of the club was growing, but I was at the very first point when I got injured. So mm-hmm. there was no money. I had to pay for my own MRI scan. Oh, wow. Um, and all that sort of stuff. I mean, I could have gone through the NHS, don't get me wrong, but it was mm-hmm. a ridiculous weight. Yeah. Um, so it's also you got to think about it financially from yeah. for a women's player as well um because you got to pay for scans and point like I was paying for chiropractor appointments and yeah. sports massage and all that sort of stuff and it, it clocked up and it was a huge amount of money oh I bet I bet um, but now they get covered so I've got a couple of friends still at Villa and they're covered for it so that's already in the last three years taken a huge step yeah uh, and we're covered at Coventry as well but mm-hmm. when I was injured and when a lot of my teammates have been injured in the past you're not covered so that's yeah. huge, and we probably should be told to take out medical, private medical. Yeah, 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 I bet you know what though. You don't, you don't think about that. Like no. you know, from like an outsider's point of view, you don't think about those injuries. But then you know, like you said, realistically, three years ago, you had to have another livelihood on top of the football. And I guess that's like a lot of people who are just playing, you know, amateur sports on a Sunday or whatever. You don't think about the impact an injury can have on you for your Monday to Friday job. So mm. I can only imagine, you know, how much of a relief it is now that, you know, touch wood, you don't get injured, but if you did, that you'd have something to cover you, I guess. Yeah, exactly. And because I was self-employed as well, I mean, there was a month where I couldn't do anything with my injury. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's say if it was a broken leg or something, you know, I'd had like knee surgery or something. I'd have yeah. been, I wouldn't have been able to walk for a long period of time and I need to for work. I need to be yeah. on my my clients so yeah that's another thing to think about as well yeah. um is how that affects you during the week it's just an injury can, can have so many knock-on effects it's not just oh i'm sitting on the side for a, mm-hmm. a few months it's, it's yeah. it affects your whole life really so oh 100 your coaching's not really going to have that much of an impact when you're sat on the sofa telling them to do their squats and stuff exactly, is it yeah or from like a, a sports massage point of view you can't do it because you need to yeah. be on your feet and stuff so yeah. yeah, it was a tough period, but um, it's good to see now that a lot of cl- clubs are covered. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure about the league below the championship. Some clubs that have got a bit more money possibly do, but mm-hmm. I'm hoping in the next 10 years, all clubs will be covered, you know, yeah. medically for all players. So. Oh, 100%, 100%. And just looking at it like from, like I guess, like a selfish point of view, because I know I'm like the worst person when I'm injured as like a spectator and stuff how tough is it like having to go down to the games to training and like wanting to be out there I guess on the field how tough is that and you know how do you get over that I guess um I think to get over it you've got to have a goal and you've got to Mm -hmm. kind of try and keep as motivated as possible but there is gonna and but also accept the fact that you are going to be you know, you probably will be depressed the first period. Yeah. And I think people don't really, they kind of sugarcoat that. Mm-hmm. But actually it's okay to feel really sad and mm-hmm. angry as well. Yeah. Angry at what's happened, um, depending on the injury. Because I've known some players you know, go up for a header in a game. Mm-hmm. One of my um, friends at Villa, and she just landed in a tour ACL. Mm-hmm. Stupid things like that. And then you, your head goes into, was it the pitch? Was it what I ate? Um did I do too much that week? And mm-hmm. but I think that's normal. And trying to explain to athletes that that is normal. Take that time to yeah. figure it out, but don't get too annoyed. Um, yeah. And just kind of then set goals and just 
power through as much as you can. But it is tough. Yeah. It is a really tough point if you if you're injured for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. I think that's where you've just got to have like a a really strong physio. I know when um, I dislocated my knee, so I was out for about the same amount of time as you, like nine or ten months. But I'd be so frustrated, and it's just about your physio going, just calm it down. Because if you come back too early, I guess you're going to be out even longer in the long run. So, like you said, just keeping those goals, I think, is you know so important and it like stops the frustration I guess but it is a time of anger and like you said there's a lot of what ifs during that period Mm -hmm. um so you know we've gone through like a lot of the questions now it's time for our famous I say it's famous every week but you know I still haven't been (laughs) given it yet um so it's our listener Q&A so listeners write in you know ask questions so I'm going to put you on the spot now. Spotlight's on. Um, so are you ready for your first question? Yeah, let's go. You didn't seem too sure, no. You didn't seem too <laughs> sure. <laughs> right, so this is from Charlie. Um, and this is like going to be a really interesting one. Obviously, with all the recent news at Coventry United, um, them going into administration, now back out of administration. How did that affect you as like one of their players? I guess like the upheaval and that. And then are you glad? I guess you are. Is, I, are you glad it's resolved now? Yeah, definitely. Well, thanks for the question, Charlie. Um, very glad it's resolved. Um, I kind of got stuck in America for longer than I went <laughs> away to see family and got stuck. And I've only yeah. just gone back into training yeah. um, this week. And it's really weird. It's not what I expected because I expected to come back and have to find another club. Mm-hmm. So I'm so glad that I didn't have to do that. And I'm happy and settled there. Mm-hmm. So that's that's good, huge positive. Um, it, it was just a crazy time, especially being away. I was eight hour time difference as well, so I yeah. was kind of missing all of the meetings and stuff and having to catch up with people. Mm-hmm. Um, but we just none of us expected it. None of the staff. It was there was nothing kind of untoward going into the Christmas break that would have warranted that call on the twenty third mm-hmm. of December. You know, two days before Christmas, it was just horrendous especially for my teammates that were really relying on that money Mm -hmm. because it's their job Mm -hmm. um I felt kind of guilty in a way that it didn't probably affect me money-wise as much as it did other people because people ended up moving out of accommodations and stuff like that it -hmm. it had a huge knock-on effect on so many different people um and then also people started to try and look for new clubs yeah so been all up in the air it was a kind of a bit of a whirlwind of two two to three weeks um but I think it affected everybody mentally especially staff looking for new jobs and Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden well now we've got this new owner which is fantastic Mm -hmm. um Lewis is brilliant um well so far I've only I've only met him once but yeah Yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah it's it was just really crazy I can't have put it into any other words to, to find out that everybody's lost their jobs and you're not going to see your teammates again and there's going to be no club in Coventry, which was kind of what was affecting me more so is because there's so many teams in London. There's quite a few up North. Mm -hmm. There's not that many Midlands teams in the championship now because you've got Leicester Blues and Villa that are in the higher league. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think we needed, we really needed a team in the Midlands in the championship. Mm -hmm. Um, And then when, yeah, just, I'm so glad it's all sorted now and we're kind of back to, normal in a way yeah oh 100% I think you know I guess I guess it's like a bit different to being told right you need to like 
get a transfer or another club are trying to sign you like you I guess you can prepare yourself for that a little bit but when it's just like dropped on you like that I bet it's you know well it's life-changing yeah out of the blue it was um it was crazy we just kind of hoped that the the investors that we had would Mm -hmm. have just kind of weighed up all the the pros and cons of buying the club in August because obviously I said it was Covid and um what was the other one was COVID and Brexit Mm -hmm. the reasons that they put us into administration but that was in August there was COVID and Brexit so they kind of it's just a shame that those things weren't weighed up at the time Mm -hmm. um but hopefully this can kind of work out for the better now with the new owner Lewis we just kind of need to get the 10 point deduction yeah reduced or or gone because that is hefty yeah in our league but you know we're gonna fight to to stay up Mm -hmm. um but it's just not the position that we would have hoped yeah. to be after all of this. So a bit crazy. And we're still, everyone's still trying to get their heads around it. And oh, I bet. I with bet. all the appeals to the FA and everything. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, but the public were brilliant. Obviously there was a, a funding page that mm-hmm. um, we've got the youth set up at Coventry. And there was a, a, one of the dads of the, the kids that play for like the under, I think it was the under 12s. Mm-hmm. Um, set up this page and it raised 16,000 around about. That's incredible. Unbelievable because people yeah. felt so bad for everybody. Um, so that was to pay everyone's wages and yeah. that sort of thing, um, which is, is fantastic. But obviously we'll hopefully reinvest that back into the club now or yeah. you know, going into schools in Coventry and promoting football and PE and all that sort of stuff. So mm-hmm. we're trying to figure out what we're going to do with it now because obviously yeah. it's taken over. But hopefully we'll use that in a really positive way in um, Coventry for, for football. So. Oh, 100%. I guess in a weird way, it shows how far the women's game has come in terms of the support you got after. Obviously, it wasn't ideal that, you know, that situation happened anyway. But the fact that people, so many people were willing to help you out, I guess it's a sign, I guess, of how supported the club is and how women's football is supported now we are like i was bombarded from by messages from family and friends and then also people we just don't know on mm. you know twitter instagram facebook um the support was sort of it was brilliant um, yeah. and the fact that people were willing to donate because i think if you'd have taken that back five years ago people would have been like swimming football that you know we're not going to donate sort of thing so it was yeah. brilliant that people did and we're really thankful for for every single person that sort of reached out or donated or you know retweeted and shared different things for us so mm-hmm. Oh, amazing. Amazing. Right. Are you ready for your second question? Yeah. Perfect. So this this is from Ollie. And um, he says, how do you deal with high pressure sporting situations? Thanks for the question, Ollie. Um, oh God, I've been in a lot of them, to be honest. And now, especially we will be with Coventry, like we're literally bottom of the league minus points because the points deduction. So mm-hmm. there's going to be pressure on us every single game now. Um, I think how you deal with that is just training as hard as you possibly can during the week so you're prepared. Um, mm. The more prepared you are, sort of the less anxiety sort of thing you're going to have going into the game. So that comes from training on the pitch and also all your analysis stuff that you do about the opposition, about formations that we're going to play and all that sort of stuff. So I think it's just nailing all the, the basic things and all the little things and then it all comes together. So just working as hard as you possibly can. And then that that helps in high pressure situations. And also you've got a squad of like 23 mm-hmm. people 
if not more or less. And you're on the pitch with another 10 people. So it's not like you're, you know, like a tennis player on the court by yourself. Yeah, you've yeah, got yeah. really good support around you and you're not relying on yourself. You, you've got everybody with you as well. So, mm-hmm. Oh, 100%. 100%. I think that's, you know, it's become a common theme of this podcast. People saying how good being in a team is, regardless of whether it's being at work, in a sporting situation, just having those people to back you up, I guess, how good that is for you. Huge. 100% right. You ready for your last question? Yeah. Perfect. This is from Jamie. Yeah. They say, how do you keep your clients motivated as a coach and keep them engaged towards a goal? Good question. Um, first of all, is setting the goals mm-hmm. um, and just sort of regularly checking in um, to make sure that they're kind of meeting the, the, the goals and like part of the steps towards it. But obviously people do go off track with certain things and life mm-hmm. changes and that sort of thing. So it's just engaging with them as a person as well. And just yeah. understanding, you know, their work life as well. What hours have they worked this week? Um, has their child kept them up all night? Has, is there something going on with their parents? Have they lost family members? That sort of thing. So I think being a good people person helps as well, because you can mm-hmm. understand everyone's situation is different. So if you haven't hit your 10,000 steps for the day, I'm not going to shout at you. I'm going to want to <laughs> understand why you, why that's not happened and how mm-hmm. is there something I can do that, you know, that can help that. Can you come in to the gym a little bit earlier and just walk on the treadmill for a little bit? Yeah. Just little things like that, that make a huge difference. But I think a lot of coaches um, sometimes don't have that and shout, uh, not shout, but get a bit annoyed yeah. and angry that people aren't meeting their goals because ultimately then that looks kind of bad on you or Mm -hmm. they think it looks bad on them as a coach. But I think putting the ego aside massively helps as as a coach. Um, And you sort of, sometimes you leave your reputation, that sort of thing, and just focus on that person and what they're Mm -hmm. going through and why they might not be meeting their goals. Um, And then I think that's probably why I've never really had an issue with people meeting goals that might have mm-hmm. taken a bit longer than we'd originally planned, but they've yeah. still got there. So flexibility would probably be my answer to that to sum oh. it up. Just being flexible with people. Yeah. I think you've just like raised a really important like point there that life sometimes gets in the way and that that's okay. But like you said, I feel like sometimes we're guilty or people are guilty as coaches or even players sometimes of, you know, trying to find something to blame where you could just be like, all right, we'll just work on it for another two weeks and get there in a little bit more time. So yeah, hundred percent. I think flexibility is definitely key when you are a coach, a hundred percent. So that is like the end of all the questioning and stuff. So you've done an amazing job and I really appreciate you coming on. If people want to like learn more about, you know, what you do and getting involved with the fitness and stuff, how can they find you? Oh, on social media, um, you can find me. My business account is Hayley underscore True Fitness. Um, I work for a gym called True Fitness, and we've got a website, truefitness.co.uk. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's how you can find me and more Perfect. about what you do. Perfect. And I will make sure that I put that in the description at the end of the podcast. Also, I'm pretty sure that Coventry United are going to need all the support that they can get for the rest of the season. So, I guess they can just get tickets and come down and watch you. You play it. Where do you play? The rugby club, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Butts Park Arena in Coventry. So, yeah, the support would be hugely appreciated. Um, 
for this last sort of bit of the season now, last half of the season. So perfect. Yeah, if hopefully. anyone can get down to games, that'd be brilliant. Yeah, perfect. Hopefully, like the great escape is on, right? That's what we want. That's what we want. We, we hope. We, we're confident that we can do it. We just yeah. gotta put everything into it. So yeah. Yeah. Get you get you one at the end of the season for a celebration, hopefully. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Let's hope, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I just want to say a big thank you once again. I know, like I said, it's been a wild ride for you the last couple of weeks with quarantine, travelling and all the news with Coventry United. So I really appreciate you spending your time with us this morning. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Hey, no worries at all. And for all the listeners, uh, make sure you share, subscribe, do everything you can to get the message out there that Coventry United need all the support that they can get um, for the rest of the season. Hayley, you've been an amazing guest. It brings the end to episode eight of A Conversation With, the Impactivity podcast. Thank you for listening. Stay safe and we will speak soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of A Conversation With. If any of the issues raised during today's episode have affected you in any way, Remember, you are not alone, and there are great organisations such as Calm, Mind, and the Samaritans who can support you. Please remember to like and subscribe and follow us on social media at Impactivity TWL. Until next time, stay safe, and we will speak soon.